The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we'll review a tough 1-0 loss to Dallas. Uh, we'll also be joined by Marcelo Balboa to preview the Seattle and New England matches this week, and then we'll cover a few pieces of Austin FC news. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And uh, let's let's start by talking about Moon Tower Soccer, which we I don't think we do a ton of. Um, so we've been doing this show for a while like three or four years at least maybe oh, well over three years at this point well over three years all back the days where we did the show once a month and we used to read notes from homeowners association meetings because that was like the only thing that the only Austin FC news there was um and this has been great and we've like enjoyed this ride for a little while. god this sounds dark now anyhow well let's let's just cut <laughs> to the punchline we're <laughs> We are interested in like adding to the team at Moon Tower Soccer. Yes. So we're looking to add a couple of roles. If one person can fill both of them, that would be great. But if one person can fill one of them, that's great too. The first one is going to be helping run our social media stuff. Uh, Jeremiah and I are not great at it and... (laughs) <laughs> and, de- and definitely not great at managing two accounts right like i can tweet well enough on my own you too but then also like giving the moon tower account the attention it deserves i think it's something that we can admit that we have not been great about especially recently yeah so that is kind of the primary thing we're looking to add but in the ideal scenario this post person would also be able to kind of step in and co-host the show whenever somebody's on vacation so jeremiah doesn't have to uh, do so many shows from hotel rooms or uh, if I go out of town or whatever, I don't have to end up editing on the road or doing stuff like that. So that that's kind of what we're looking for. We will be posting uh, the job description and kind of like a little application link. Um, if If you think you would be a good fit for one or both of these roles, then Throw your name in the hat. Like, don't don't be afraid. We'll, we'll if you have any questions, reach out and talk to us. But yeah, don't be afraid to throw your name in the ring. If it's if it's not a great fit, that's fine. But maybe it will be. And I guess the one thing that's probably a question is said. Uh, you know, what is it like? There there will be a reward beyond. Like, did you see uh, Caddyshack? Yes. Where he says, you know, your reward will be total consciousness. We will have a reward beyond <laughs> total consciousness on your deathbed. So there'll be a little cash on this too. Um, now that we sort of are sustainable with Patreon and advertisers, like we can share a little bit of it. So like there's also a little bit of a financial incentive for somebody to come in and, and help us out and join the team and help us grow what we're doing at Moon Tower Soccer. So uh, you've got that going for you. <laughs> exactly, which is nice. <laughs> We all of our listeners under the age of 35 are very confused right now. <laughs> it's a great movie about golf that your parents loved. Just go check it out. <laughs> all right, and, let's move on. To, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, like that was it was gonna say, and there's like a better, even better behind the scenes documentary about all the chaos that went into that show. Uh and I I'll 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 send you the link and maybe we'll post it somewhere online. But it's the whole the whole the whole shot was a mess too. It was everything you expected it to be. I didn't know about that. I want to watch that now. I, I randomly grew up on Caddyshack when I was probably too young to be watching it, but it was like the TBS cut. And so like most of the nudity and cursing was edited out. But uh, OK, let, let's move on to Austin FC news. <laughs> OK, let's do it. <laughs> All right. So uh, Austin FC 2 had a chance to clinch a playoff spot against Sporting Kansas City 2. 
and did not do it. Um, I went out to this game. This was the first, I guess I got to watch one last week, but several games in a row that I didn't get to watch at all. Uh, again, like Austin controlled most of this game, looked like the much better team, but just wasn't able to generate shots. Kansas City kind of played bunker and counterattack style, which seems to be um, a trend. A way of what teams. What'd you say? I said the way to play against Austin FC. Yeah, it's a trend, but also probably a good idea uh, for how to play against this team because they've struggled to to create chances. And I I think I mentioned this a few weeks back. They've also been playing some younger players. I think that has part like that's part of the reason why Austin is struggling. Some is that as good as some of these young players are, they just are still quite young and and inexperienced. But um, I think a few notes from this game is. David Rodriguez was back on the bench. He's missed. I don't know how many games it's been quite a few though. Like I want to a couple of months, at least at this point, uh, he was back on the bench, got to play some minutes at the end of the game. Um, Kip Keller started this game at center back and he's been pretty much full time with the first team for the last couple of months. Uh, so that was a little bit of foreshadowing that he would not be on the bench against FC Dallas. Yeah. And I was, uh, I watched that on TV at the house and I've lost him because I forgot that he got his haircut. And for a little bit there, I couldn't figure out who the other center back <laughs> was beyond Saul, Saul Mazzafero, who got the first goal. Um, I don't think he looked great. I mean, another Micah Burton um, got another start, which I thought was um, interesting. Can he didn't look at nobody looked amazing in attack, really. Right. But, uh, you know, it was it was good to see him play again. And it's good to see some of this some of this youth movement come to pass up. Uh, Pino. I think he did not start up top last time, right? Was this his? He was um, back in the start. I think he's he started the last two games, but had also been subbed out for both of those games. Uh, but Sporting Kansas City just did a good job of kind of neutralizing everybody and just playing really compact defensively. And so it, I don't. It didn't feel like to me that many people had a particularly bad game. Just that they weren't good enough to beat what Kansas City was doing. If that makes sense. Um, which is it's concerning, right? Like they were in in an opportunity to clinch that playoff spot, and it's now two games in a row where they ha- were in the, that opportunity and haven't grabbed it. And now it's it's starting to like teams behind them are creeping up, and if they don't do it soon, they're gonna they're gonna push themselves into kind of an undue tense situation. Yeah, that's a good point. Because for a while they were they were second behind Colorado and they were fairly close to Colorado, and, but some gap between them and the rest of the field. So now I think Tacoma is tied on points, but behind on goal differential. Sporting KC two is only two points back of Austin. So yeah, the field gets a little bit tighter um, as they continue to not 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 lock things down and not not clinch that spot. I guess the bright side on that is that uh, LAFC is in last in the Western Conference um, and comes to Austin to the to Palmer Field again on Friday. So again, another opportunity clinch. Um, and seems like one thing they might be able to take advantage of. But they haven't closed the door when they've had the chance before. I thought like the, the uh, both the SKC goals to me seemed a little bit against the run of play too. Like it's, it kind of came out of nowhere. Like especially like the one off the corner from that like that header was like at such a I think it was the second goal. It was like at such an extreme angle. Like it was couldn't even figure out what went on or how it went in until like the second time I watched that goal too. Yeah. And they're, they're pretty close to each other time-wise as well. And it felt like there's this little stretch where SKC kind of had a little surge and then 
like capitalized on a few little moments and then all of a sudden Austin is down 2-1 which it was it was a bizarre game. Yeah, but again, back this Friday chance to uh to do more and I don't do you have any other notes you want to cover on this one or you want to go ahead and move on to a little bit of more news? I don't think so. We can move on. Okay, so we've got the announcement that the US men's national team will play the CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinal on November 16th at 7:30 against TBD. Uh, but it will be at Q2 Stadium. So we will who's we don't we don't even know who the uh the, I think it the could opponent be, is at this point. Like it's gonna be there's a lot of chances of on yeah, who it might be. Any number of of teams at this point. Um I I read through that article many times trying to figure out if they said who we were playing or like what uh, it doesn't it didn't say. It was just like we'll find out later. And so yeah, a we do not know yet. What's it? A two-legged tie against a to-be-determined opponent, including the home leg at Q2, with the Winterfire winner qualifying directly for the 2024 Copa America. So this is going to be the fourth time that the U.S. national team has played in Austin. So it's just another good example of Austin being um, a soccer city and a place that the national team come wants to, wants to play um, that gets support. Um, so tickets again this is not included in your package but you will have a chance as a season ticket holder if you are to get on the pre-sale so those go on the sale on august 30th for season ticket waitlist members and the general public on september 5th all right and then the last bit of news austin fc uh was nominated as most uniquely austin by the austin chamber of commerce what does that mean <laughs> okay let's yes this is like my moment of prep personal privilege as a greater Austin chamber of commerce board member. Uh, so there's this thing called the greater Austin business awards every year that uh, happens in October. Uh, and there's all these different choices for like, uh, you know, startup of the year and CEO of the year and person, you know, company who cares the most about the environment of the year and whatever, there are all these things. And so this year there's one that specifically called um most uniquely austin which is the only one that's open to the public and austin fc was one of the finalists uh for that position along with the moody center pinballs arcade where i just hosted a 12th birthday party and uh thundercloud subs so those are your choices so go vote for austin fc give a chance to pick up a like crystal trophy on stage and uh, hopefully you can see them recognized by the city for the great contributions that austin has made do y'all ever get any uh pageants getting mad at you for using unique as a modifier like that <laughs> no we haven't i don't think so that is a word that i i am a bit of a pedant myself but i think that oh you mean most like, most unique yeah like saying like more unique or the most unique is technically not correct because something being new unique mean there's there's only means one. it stands yes and absolutely. so you can't be more or less unique than anything else because there should technically only be one in this case i like the modifier of unique because i think it's actually useful in language and what is language for if not being useful i did not expect this conversation on this topic to go that <laughs> way but i appreciate it <laughs> Uh, okay, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back to break down the FC Dallas game. Hang tight. We'll be right back with some more Moonchower Soccer. When no one is around. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FBF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. 
FEF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community transparency and client education. You can go to FEF.law to find out what makes FEF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FEF.law. Amplify Credit Union is a member-owned financial cooperative that served the needs of Central Texans for over five decades. Amplify's team lives and works in the community, making them the experts on how members can achieve their financial goals. What makes Amplify different? No bank fees. Amplify is the first financial institution in Texas to put an end to bank fees. In 2022, Americans paid almost $8 billion in overdraft fees alone. Millennials paid an average of 33, $336 a year in bank fees, which works out to six Austin FC game tickets per person per year. You'll pay none of these bank fees with Amplify Credit Union. Now, here's the part where everybody needs to pay attention because we have new ad copy, which we don't get very often. And you know what else that 336 equals is parking at... 14 Austin FC games. Nice. And why would parking at Austin FC games be relevant in this very moment? It's because Amplify wants to give you parking. Yes. Uh, yes. Amplify is going to offer free parking at their Esperanza branch, which is minutes away from the stadium. For any Moon Tower listener, you can visit go www.goamplify.com slash Moon Tower. Give them your email address, and they will provide you with free parking at their branch, which is a short walk from the stadium. You do have to RSVP so that you do not get towed by the ABLE Amplify facilities team. This is a great deal and a great service that Amplify Credit Union is providing to our listeners. Uh, So take advantage of that and also check out Amplify Credit Union. All right, we are back. We're going to talk about Austin FC's uh, heartbreaking loss in Dallas on Saturday. Ended up losing 1-0 in the last like handful of seconds of the game. Um, dropped to ninth place in the West. And now the Copa Tejas final results are out of out of our hands at the moment. Yes, there's still an opportunity that Austin may win it, but I believe it relies on a Dallas draw against Houston on September 30th in Houston. Otherwise, the winner of that match brings Copa Tejas home. So I don't know where I saw that Copa Tejas took a nice bus ride up uh, on the one of the, uh, the 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 fan buses to the match. And I do not know where it resides right now. I guess in San Antonio, maybe back with the owners of it. But it seems unlikely it's going to come back home to Austin again for the second year. And even if it does, won't that be like the saddest, most lackluster way for it to do so? <laughs> Oh, you mean you mean a draw if they draw between between two other teams where like I don't I don't imagine there's a bunch of awesome fans who are going to go down and celebrate in the parking lot, you know, with with a trophy down there. I don't even yeah. know how the like the presentation works, but yeah, it's a lot of it's opportunity lost and to, to the your point about the timing, like an opportunity that seemed like it was there uh, and almost seemed like the opportunity for a victory after Austin played down a man for a long time right before that, and so it's just like a, it was a real gut punch of a loss. I was at an event and watching it on my phone and it was really, really hard. Uh, and it was all like even worse, like going back the next day and watching it like on a big TV. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go through the, the lineup here. So we ended up with Brad Stuver and goal, the back line, uh, Gallagher at left back hedges and Cascante center backs, Nick Lima, right back. And then midfield is, uh, Danny Pereira, Alex Ring, Owen Wolf, and then the front three was Bragoni on the left, Finley on the right, and then Driussi playing. 
as the nine. Um, yes. What do you think about it? It's like, this is, I went to three different websites and got three different like formations out of it. But do you agree that this is like generally, is, is, is this what you would call the Austin formation a four, three, three? Yeah. So again, like listeners, whenever you see these lineup graphics on like FOTMOB or on the MLS app or whatever, people are just guessing. They do not know what formation they're playing. I think there's like a rare case where somebody gets an inside tip and they actually kind of know, or if it's a situation where the team actually plays like a very cut and dry formation, that's easy to tell what it is. Austin doesn't do that. And so that ends up with the graphics on TV being wrong, like 90% of the time. But this looked to me like pretty much exactly the same formation we always run, which is defending in a 4-4-2, attacking in a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1 kind of look. The The midfield is a bit fluid, and especially with Juicy playing in a slightly different position. But as far as like the roles here, Juicy was playing as a nine, but a false nine. He was drifting around quite a bit. He wasn't like stretching the back line and playing like Jesse Zardes does. He was uh, still kind of playing as a 10 and kind of floating around and doing what he wanted, uh, even from that position. Then you had Owen Wolf pushed up slightly higher, kind of playing in that Sebastian Drusi role, but on the right hand side. And then Danny Pereira was still playing in his normal role. And then Alex Ring was kind of playing the Owen Wolf role where he was getting forward as he saw fit, but also was the one to drop back and help in the buildup and would get a little deeper when he needed to. And then in the defensive shape, Alex Ring was the one next to Danny Pereira in that midfield. So that's, it's the, uh, let's just talk about, you want to talk about the, I guess the start of the game. So like, what did you, what did you see out of, out of, Oh, I guess one important thing to talk about Dallas, uh, Jesus Ferreira was not playing. And that guy has yeah. um, terrorized, Austin FC over and over again. I think we have learned repeatedly to not get excited about star players being out because Austin has like shown that that doesn't seem to matter either way, like good or bad. Uh, but it 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 gave you know a Dallas team that has had a lot of issues scoring in league play, even though they picked up a little bit in the Nations League. Um, it took away almost all their firepower, and I think that's probably a little bit uh, what you saw out of the way that Dallas played and and presented themselves um, almost completely throughout the match, even though they, they dominated possession, like nobody created a lot of chances either way. Yeah. And I think I, I didn't get a chance to look at this, but I would be curious to see what possession looked like before the 60th minute. I would be willing to bet that maybe it even tilted Austin's way, but um, coming out, like after how bad the St. Louis game looked on pretty much every front, the way that Austin FC started in this game, I was pretty encouraged by. I thought they came out with good energy. Uh, with they looked confident it, both in their in their pressing, the way they were moving the ball, the way they were winning tackles. There's some games, and I think the St. Louis game was one of them where they come out and they just look nervous and like scared at moments. And they, that was not the case in this game. They looked very confident, very sure of themselves, very aggressive in moments. And so uh, they also kind of changed their defensive posture a, a little bit where they were playing slightly more conservative. And, I, and by that, I mean, they were less worried about pressing up super high on center backs and on the goalkeeper. They were still doing that on certain triggers, but they were staying those, that front line of two or four 
was staying a little deeper and more worried about keeping Facundo Quinone that they're six from receiving the ball in the midfield there. And so they were forcing balls a little bit deeper or over the top where for a long, for long stretches of the game, they would be forced to play a long ball. Hedges or Cascante would head it down and Austin would go the other way. Or there'd be a bad pass in the back. Austin would grab it and go the other way. And then they, of course, Paul Ariola is one of their, their like star players, the guy they lean on a lot. And they would get the ball to him out on the left wing. And Nick Lima would just bully the man like for a bit. Most of the first half, he's just on his back, pushing him, just like bulldogging the guy the whole game and like was really getting under his skin. And I really liked that where the front line was a little less aggressive, but the back line and the midfielders were a little more aggressive. And I, I like that look. I think it lends itself more to Austin FC's skill set and requires a less um, like senseless running at times whenever the press doesn't work. So do you think um, we talked last week about the Austin's tendency to press a lot high early and then like wear out, especially because of the heat. Like, so is this, a, would you rather see Austin play this way? Like generally going forward? No, for the rest of the year, like knowing it's going to continue to be hot. Austin's going to be continued to be, it seems like not completely healthy all the time. Um, given sort of where Austin is now and, the continued ongoing like schedule congestion, which we'll talk about with Marcelo in a little bit. Like, do you, do you think this is a more like sustainable way for Austin to play? I mean, we've seen him do it at times here and there, but Wolf has never stuck with it. And I understand like in the, the style that he wants to play, like there is a reason for pressing high, but I just think with this, this group of players, like we've never been able to do it well for a whole game it's always been a little burst and then we start getting beat and then we're just chasing the whole time and i think this setup for the dallas game we've seen it in a few other games it it really does just uh i i just think it suits the players better and so i'm sure there's like some sacrifices being made offensively for doing that that i'm i'm not aware of or not seeing but just sheerly looking at what we look like defensively i like this a lot better and so you asked the so first half um uh, on ball position sort of bef before the red card, which I, I think we'll get into. But first half was about 50-50. Austin outshot uh, Dallas 6-3. Austin had a slightly higher X goal. Not that it really matters much. But I think, you know, this game really turns... Well, it seemed like it would turn on the red card for Danny Pereira, although Austin held on for a long time. So you want to talk about the card? Yeah, well, there's a few other moments that... Um... I wanted to touch on before then. So uh, I, one of them being the Ethan Finley bicycle kick attempt. <laughs> oh. oh yeah. So that was there's a free kick up. from like 40 yards out. We have everybody in the box. It kind of gets pinballed around in the box for a while. And then I see someone like turn with like perfect form and hit a bike and like got pretty good contact on it. I was like, who was that? Who just did that? And then stood up and it's Ethan Finley. And it was like, not, did not see that coming. He, he's just full of surprises lately, that man. Uh, but he got good contact on it. It was not really anywhere close to target, but still fun to see. Um, Owen Wolf gets a good shot on frame a little bit after that, but pretty much straight at the keeper. A really big save from Brad Stuver in the 60th minute uh, for... Uh, is it Ansa, whoever they put in at left wing? Um, he got a, a shot that Stuver had a really big save there. 
And then we see our first set of substitutions uh, around. So it's 62, Will, Will Bruin and uh, Memo come on. Yeah, your, and that is for, for the second card. That is for Alex Ring and Emiliano Ragoni. And okay, so that, that brings up the question of like, why is Alex Ring the guy coming off the field when Danny Pereira is on a yellow card? This is a thing. I'm glad you brought this up. So I saw some people talking about this online. I My thinking was, if you're going to take out one of the midfielders, Alex Ring has been pretty good in this game. Why not pull Owen and leave Alex on? And so I was cur- I was interested to hear that some people were thinking that we should pull Danny in that. So you're, you're saying pull Danny just because he's on a yellow card? Yes, pull Danny because he's on a yellow card and he's got the threat of getting the red that that leaves Austin in a position to lose. Although I believe that was Danny's fifth yellow, so he's going to be out the next game for accumulation anyhow. So obviously it's a gamble. So we can talk about the whole midfield because like Owen wasn't but, super good either. So like I mean like give me your thinking on what you would do with that substitution. Here's my question about the Danny thing: Should we pull Danny out of every game he gets a yellow card? Oh, that's fair. <laughs> there would be a lot of games. I guess we that, could talk about Danny's tendency to draw yellow cards. That feels like Multiple a little yellow bit cards. Monday morning quarterback to me to say, like, he got a red, so, oh, we should have pulled him out. When he gets yellow cards a lot, like, I think the ideal solution is Danny... Not getting yellow cards? ...learns from his <laughs> mistakes. And and so let, let's jump to this this red card here. So... The first one comes in like the 45th minute or so. Danny loses the ball in the midfield. Velasco picks it up and is driving at the back line. Danny's hustling back to try to just like slow him down and fouls him from behind. This is this seems like a professional foul. I'm not mad about the decision making there because a guy that good in that kind of position. Yeah, get get what you can on him. Hopefully you can get the ball. But if not, you stop the attack. But. Whenever you put yourself in that situation, you then have to change the way you play for the rest of the game. And Danny Pereira on multiple occasions at this point has shown that he will not change the way he plays the game. He will not make better decisions. And so in the 67th minute, Danny intercepts the ball in the aftermath of, uh, of an FC Dallas corner. He's driving ahead, but because we're defending a corner, everyone's behind him. So he can't find an option. Velasco kind of sneaks up on him and pokes the ball away from him back towards the FC Dallas goal. And Martinez, their center back is kind of coming onto it. And Danny sees that. And so Danny like baseball slides into him with his foot first when like, really he doesn't need to like Martinez is running away from his own goal. He's not in a dangerous moment. So he should just run past Martinez, like maybe like leave a leg out to try to touch the ball. But if he doesn't get in position and turn around and defend, and instead he like acts like this is this is the game winning tackle he's trying to make here in a not dangerous area and goes in. And I don't I don't think there's even much contact, but just the way he goes in and the fact that Martinez had to jump over him, like you have to give the yellow there. So this is one hundred percent on Danny Pereira. Yeah, that's a really good point. It was a really frustrating foul because of the situation and the the mentality and sort of the the, the lack it's unnecessary for sure. Um, which would change the game um, all the way around. So yeah, so uh, we we talked about there was a couple of subs before then. I again, I I think saying that you should pull off Danny Pereira there. Like imagine if 
if they do pull Danny Ferreira with one yellow card and then FC Dallas scores a fluke goal and then we can't get the ball back up the field because Danny Ferreira is not on the field, what would you or other fans be saying in that moment? Oh, well, clearly uh, Josh Wolf made a mistake. Like, I, I, mean, <laughs> I'm, I, will, I will own this. Uh, that Yeah, especially... Maybe this is just from like not watching all the game live, like just seeing, like just following the ticker. I'm like, that seems really stupid that we wouldn't have like made this other kind of move. So maybe it's maybe it's a good punishment for Danny to start pulling him out of games every time he gets a yellow. But as far as like soccer strategy goes, I'm not convinced by it. So let's go back to the substitution at all. Like, do you pull Alex Ring? I, Period. It depends. It depends on why. So talking about. If it's for how he's playing in this game and um, just like a strategic move, no, I leave Alex Ring on. But Alex, who else came off with him? It was Emiliano Ragoni, right? These are the right. two guys who were on kind of the same injury timeline. Right. I think it's very possible that this is like minute management with three games this week. These are guys you want in the game. You pull them early. And and get him off there, and so you, he can start in the next one. If that's not why, then I, if it's like a a a, a strategy thing, a performance thing, I very much disagree with it. But if it's a minute management thing, totally fine with it. Which I don't. We didn't. I don't believe that we got insights on it. That I'm pretty sure we didn't hear anything about it in the post game. I'd be interested to see if that comes up in the midweek. But yeah, that's that's a really good point. It's just the only way that it makes a ton of sense for both of those. So then uh, it's 77. We get Valencia on for Wolf. And who else comes uh, on? Lundquist there? comes on for, for Finley? Ethan Finley. Yeah. yeah. So the, the the media aftermath of the card, we went to uh, like a 4-4-1 and just... Drew UC dropped into the midfield and we we're defending there. And then after the second this second set of subs... We went to uh, like Nick Lima dropped into the line of three center backs. Then we had Gallagher at right wing back and Lundquist at left wing back. And then a line of three in the midfield. And then Will Bruin up top on his own. And this was working quite well. <laughs> like We had 25, 30 minutes to sit it out. And I was very nervous, but Austin FC held their own and we're like doing a good job of staying sturdy, not giving up too many chances for Dallas and um, breaking and trying to make something happen whenever they could. But sticking to like at that point, like the primary focus becomes don't give up a goal. Let's get out of here with, with one point. And they were doing that until so close to doing that. Until like the last uh, few seconds of the game, really. And so uh, another thing I noticed, so they pulled Drusi off uh, late in the game. He had sat down and was acting like he was a little bit injured. Wolf was asked about this in post game and said that um, that he's fine. Like it was it was fatigue and nothing else. He should be good to go midweek. So that's very good news. I was a little bit confused as to why it was Zardes coming on because Zardes ended up playing essentially as a midfielder and defending as a midfielder, which after seeing him come on, I thought he did a good job defending there. And like, he's, he's a, a smart player. Like we, for his physical shortcomings at time, he is a very smart player and was good in, in kind of defending in that position. Um, 
until I, I'll have more to say on this in a little bit, but and <laughs> <laughs> okay. the very last moments um, there's off, I think it's off of a goal kick. There's kind of a pinball balling ball in the midfield there falls to memo Rodriguez. He's in alone behind the last set of defenders. Uh, one of their fresh defensive subs catches him, so he can't get a shot off. He turns out of pressure, finds Gallagher running down the backside. Gallagher gets a shot off uh, across the face of the keeper. It deflects off of Tafari's thigh, uh, hits his thigh, hits the ground, bounces over the goalkeeper, and it looks like it's going to go in and just hits right off the crossbar and back. And it, Dallas is able to recover it and get it out, get it out of the the eighteen. And that was like. like a- such a moment of almost sheer joy, right? It just and to quickly transition to utter disappointment. Yeah. So that like, yeah, go from the moment like this would have been the winner. Like this was it to and it would a have couple been incredible, minutes later. Incredible story of like overcoming adversity, right? Like yeah. this would not it's not just like the winner almost at the death, but it's like the winner on the road, down a man to win the Copa Tejas. Like the narrative around that would have been amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's I think less than two minutes left on the clock. Uh, they added seven minutes of extra time. Um, Adam Lundqvist gets the ball deep in the Dallas half and just turns and gets over to the corner and is trying to win, uh, get a foul or win a corner there. It ends up getting poked out for a goal kick. I didn't ever actually, I don't know if it was a, the right call or not. I couldn't quite see it, but it ends up with a goal kick. They play it up, win a throw in, throw it in. They have a bunch of numbers in the box. Uh, Farfan, who's their left back, was over there, puts in a long cross into the box, places it exactly on Tafare's head at the apex of his jump. A blind header goes towards the back post. Uh, Stuver gets a hand on it, but it's always going to be a really tough save there. And they get a goal at the very last seconds of the game. I mean, at the very last seconds of the game and just steal, steal all the joy from all the awesome fans and just make for a really sad bus trip back home for a bunch of people yeah. um, that were up there and ultimately leave. Uh, what is that now? I'll leave Austin night. Well, we didn't even know if Austin was going to stay ninth in the table, but after the, uh, the match the next day, like leaves Austin and ninth struggling um, a little I, bit I w- as we have seen. I wanted to look at this goal a little bit more. So watching it back, I've seen some criticism of, of the defending in the box, which, that stuff can always be slightly better given the situation and how it happened. I didn't think it was specifically bad. Uh, Hedges was kind of tracking to far right the like where the ball was and like how it got there. Like it's kind of understandable that he doesn't get there in, in the right spot. Cascante is behind him. Maybe he could have put a little bit more pressure, gotten a, a bit more of a bump on him. Um, like that stuff is always true, but the one thing I saw that was very much within our control and very much could have done better. I was praising Jossie Zardes for his defending. Jossie Zardes does not put pressure on Farfan. And it's like the, the clock is ticking down. I know there's not a clock in the stadium that tells you like, this is the number of minutes left, but he has to know, like, this is it. It's gotta be. Yeah. He has to know. And so like, he's going to put a ball in take a few steps and like Zardes hadn't been on the whole game. I I know he's like probably still tired because they've been defending constantly for however long, but use whatever is left in your tank, put a little more pressure on that ball and maybe it doesn't land right 
on the penalty spot right there. But I think that's my biggest complaint with how that last little bit went on is not getting enough pressure there. Well, and then I guess, did you see this, uh, like Brad Stuver seemed really broke up after the game about like allowing this goal. Like they, they, like he, I could see this photo of him, like basically like, look like he was crying afterwards. And then when he posted his like post, I'm going to overanalyze social media, which I realize is Swoon Tower soccer content. But when he, uh, you know, he put his post on Instagram about the match and like the black and green hearts like turned comments off because I guess he didn't want to hear what people had to say about it. Like for a guy that's taken some criticism for some performances recently, including for me last week, like this game was like not a game that was on Brad Stuver. Like, and I, I feel bad for the guy knowing that that's what he took out of it was just this like, you know, raw emotion and feeling like, like he somehow let the team down. Yeah. I mean, I think this, like he had a couple of big saves that saved goals in this game and this one, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would defer to someone who knows more about goalkeeping, but I don't think he should have been expected to save this one. Like it, it was a tough It didn't one look to like there. it. Yeah. I, I agree. So I was just surprised that that was like, I mean, I guess, I'm not surprised that was his reaction because he seems to take like everything on himself. But like, I was disheartened that like he feels like that any of this was on him. And I, I guess my other post game press conference was you see the Matt Hedges jersey swap and all the online. Oh yeah, that created. Let's. I don't want to leave that. But we we can go back and talk about some individual player moments uh, and things we saw that maybe we didn't cover during talk about the match. But like, I want to talk about Matt Hedges walking off the field with an uh, FC Dallas jersey and how much that offends you. So I understand why it offends some people and why some people are upset about. I personally don't care. Um, I I will judge Matt Hedges by the effort he exerts in his performance while he's wearing a green jersey on the field during the 90 minutes. As long as he's fighting during that time, I don't care what jersey he wears afterwards. Uh, but I, I do get that it's, it's bad optics uh, and... And I understand why some some fans are upset about it. Yeah, and I think those optics were amplified by the way the game turned out. Like, I think it was a really, because the fact that it was like at the death when it seemed like Austin might pull something out like we just talked about. Like, I think there's a lot of raw emotion immediately after the match that probably came out and got um, cast upon Matt Hedges for for wearing, wearing an FC Dallas jersey off the field when it's like, I mean, the guy is a club legend, played there for 12 years. But to your point, he, I think he had a pretty strong game. One of the Good better game. games, maybe yeah. maybe the best game he's played in Austin so far. Like he seems to finally be acclimating the system a little bit. So I don't think this game is the game to criticize Matt Hedges for. Yeah, I I thought he was strong. He fought super hard. Um, I I actually said out loud like Matt Hedges is having a good game, and then he had like two bad passes in a row. But <laughs> overall, I thought he was really strong and like showed that like oh yeah he is he is a positive addition to this team, like in a very clear way. And I, I really thought he showed that in this one. Uh, is there anybody else you wanted to talk about player wise? Um, I Maybe let's talk about like lineup going into Seattle. We talk a little bit about this with Marcelo Balboa in the interview, but with Danny Pereira out uh, with three games this week, there's probably going to need to be some rotating I think there's quite a few question marks. Like I think both of both of the fullbacks went 90 minutes in this game. So wouldn't be surprised maybe to see Lundqvist step in either this game or on the weekend. Um, we don't know what the midfield is going to look like. Like what would your midfield look like in this game? 
I would play um, in like the six and eight. I would play uh, Valencia more deeper and Alex Ring in the eight or in the eight role. And then Drew Uzi. And then Drew Uzi. We're expecting a a real striker to be back. Yeah. Well, I guess, yes. For sure. I mean, I think we can expect a Giassi, and I was going to say uh, New England plays on turf, so I would think for Wednesday, I would expect to see Drew in his traditional role, and then maybe we don't see him uh, on on the weekend, given like his how he and artificial turf do not seem to get together. So I think for the Seattle match, that's what I expect to see in the midfield. Yeah. W- w- the only reason I question that is that Zardes, the fact that like Bruin has been coming in before Zardes in these last couple of games. It makes me think that Zardes is still being managed as far as his minutes go because of coming back from his injury but in League's Cup. So that's just one thing I'm I'm curious about. Like how many minutes, like can he go 60? Sure, let's start him. If they're thinking like 45 tops, like that makes me a little more nervous. Uh, maybe you still do it and then play Bruin for a half or I don't, yeah, I don't know. That that's the only part that's a big question mark, and I think that like, dominoes kind of fall into place from there. But there, hopefully, yeah. Zardes is fit enough to start this one. Yeah, and then you've got. I think Aruti was back in training before the game on the weekend, but yeah, so Wolf he's clear said, concussion protocol. But probably, and just my guess, you probably won't. We probably wouldn't see him until this weekend. I don't imagine he'll play during the midweek game, but I could be wrong. I mean, even just to be available to go 15 or 20 would be useful, right? So maybe maybe you do at least see him on the bench as an option like in case of emergency break glass. Yeah, maybe so. Um, so that leaves, let's see. Oh, I guess before we get off of it, because it continues to be cool to see how many people go up. Because like, just reading Twitter and the other social media accounts, like it seems like a pretty grumpy Austin FC fan base. But the fact that I don't know four or five hundred people went up, uh, the band went up. Uh, on the TV broadcast, like Austin FC fans are way louder than Dallas fans. You know, I've read a lot of stories about people who have friends in Dallas who are like converted Austin fans now because Austin FC fans brought into the game and they saw kind of the energy and excitement that Austin FC fans and La Merca bring to the performance. Like again, like shout out in a in a difficult time in terms of. The, terms of how the results are going to offset FC fans for always showing up. Yeah. Uh, social media has been a pretty poisonous place <laughs> lately. And so I've been kind of an, avoiding those spots, but I know it's because you, you care a lot about this and the number of people who make that trip, uh, which is, you think it, it seems like an easy trip, but once you realize like it's not in Dallas, it's like an hour past Dallas, and then you have to come back or find a place to stay. Like it's a big, it's a big undertaking a commitment. to do yeah. that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I understand that people are grumpy because they care about this thing and that like overall, that is a good thing, even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think we touched on this, this leaves Austin ninth in the West. Um, there's, I've looked this up just before there's still only five points between third and 10th. So the West continues to be every bit as tight as we thought before. Um, it's like there's a chance that this is just the way things are going to go and it will, you know, uh, awesome. will need to play the same or marginally improve in order to make the playoffs. And so my question for you is like, what would you. What would you call a good season? Like if you think about everything that's happened, what what place in the table, like what playoff performance would lead you to say like, oh, yeah, this like Austin had a decent year, given everything that has transpired. 
I think like seventh, like not having to play in the play in game would be like considered positive at this point. Um, getting into the play in game, I think would be uh, like minimum acceptable, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I think like if, if I'm, well, I hate that we agree because like I liked last week, we argued a little bit, but that's exactly the same thought I had on it. But I mean, and I think like for 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 people who want to opine upon what result will make Rodolfo Burrell like make a move or not in terms of the coaching during the offseason, like I don't see any difference between eighth, ninth, and tenth. Like I don't think oh if no, Austin, I don't if Austin makes a playoff game, makes the play in game and like loses it versus Austin finishing tenth, I think Rodolfo Burrell is gonna do whatever he wants to do. And that may even be true if they finish all the way up to even if they finish seventh, but I think, yeah, for this year, like avoiding the play in game and like being like a real legitimate playoff team, I think would be a decent year given sort of the, all the things that have gone on around the club. Yeah. And I 100% agree with, with that take about Burrell and Wolf. Like I, you, you see on social media, people saying like this manager is playing for their lives today. And it's like, really? Like you're going to base this decision on one game. And I know it's like bigger than that, but I agree. Like if, if we finish fourth, I don't think that should change what Burrell's decision in the offseason should be. Like if he doesn't think Wolf is the guy and like can bring in somebody better like in the in the short to midterm, make that decision like that's fine with me. But I don't yeah, I, I agree. Like as far as the placement this season the table, I I think that matters a lot less with like a rebuild probably coming in the offseason. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot more that should be factored into that decision than a few, the, like the results of a few games in the position of the table. Yeah, especially given we, we talk about over and over again, like how the West is like competitive and people are dropping points left and right. And it's just, um, it's like almost a crapshoot at this point. It's going to be whoever gets hot late, which is not a great way to evaluate whether somebody's the right choice for like your ongoing successful project or not. Um, so I think people shouldn't read too much into exactly what Austin's last finishing position is and more think about like what what they would personally be happy with in the season and like i'm playoff game would be good playoff game at q2 which i guess we would get right because the actual first round of the playoffs is best two out of three yeah we would get at least one we would get at least one so that would be nice um do you consider the play-in game a playoff game i do not consider the play-in game a playoff game it's a I... reason why it's that's the reason why it's the play-in game i and i believe this about the uh, because it's like I was a, as a college basketball fan, this has always been the question about the NCAA tournament. They're like four playoff games, play in games, and it's like, no, you don't make the field of 64 unless you're in the last 64. And I feel the same way about MLS. For our second semantic discussion of the episode, I know uh, I agree with what you said, but also like your season's not over the last game of the season and if you win you get to keep playing so doesn't that kind of sound like a playoff game <laughs> wow then you could say yeah but you could say like any anybody that needs to win on the last day by that criteria is in the same place like if they win they keep playing so yeah that's no. true but it must playoffs are so weird anyhow like because the number of teams in it have changed every year I don't, I don't know exactly how you characterize it but for this year i feel like you have to make the play-in game and win it in order to like count as a playoff team okay Fair enough. But I'm I'm also not con I'm like I'm sure the players probably have a different opinion because I'm sure some of them have incentives for making the playoffs. Oh I'm yeah. Sure they, I, won, and I'm sure I wonder they, how they that wanted works. to find it as broadly as possible, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Is there anything else we need to uh, talk about for this match or uh, sort of what lies ahead before we go into the Marcelo Balboa interview? No, I think we're good. Yeah. I'm very excited to get Marcelo on the show. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of his as a U.S. national team fan, of course, but also his, like his personality on TV. I, I really like it, both in English and in Spanish. So it was, it was a lot of fun to get to talk to him. And we talk, we preview the the games this week, but also just get to chat with him a little bit, which was a lot of fun. He's uh, a good dude. So hope you all enjoy it. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Covert Ford. The Coverts have been meeting the needs of local car buyers for 114 years because of their service, financial expertise, and support after the sale. In addition to supporting car buyers, Covert's an important part of the soccer community and the official automotive partner of Austin FC. This month, we're highlighting the 2023 Ford F-150 XL, stock number 2230658. This is available at 1.9% APR for 36 months and 90 days until your first payment with approved Ford credit. So go out and buy yourself a new truck with a good have, for a good deal. Have you ever had a truck, Jeremiah? I drove a truck for 15 years. Uh, I drove a Ford F-150, but they were much smaller back then. I don't know if you noticed. But they were like, small back in the day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trucks seem to be getting larger all the time. But yes, my grandfather gave me gave me his Ford F-150 and it had one of those like sliding windows in the back. Oh, yeah. So you could like put your beer in the back and then still like grab it from the, <laughs> from the cab, which seems very irresponsible in this day and age. Kids, don't do that at home. Yeah, I've never had... Uh... I, I'm like from a farm town, but I'm a town kid in a farm town. And so my first car was a 1992 Chevy Lumina. Oh, which that's was a be beautiful, beautiful vehicle. My friend, my friend who was uh, one of the biggest guys on our football team tried to get into it NASCAR style and broke the rearview mirror off. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're in the market for a newer used vehicle, be sure to check out covertford.com. Moon Tower Soccer is also brought to you by Sage Wilson Realty. Thanks to Sage Wilson Realty, we'll be giving away two tickets to a match this week. So fill out the form in the show notes to enter for your chance to win. Again, this is made possible by Sage Wilson Realty. So if you are someone you know or in need of Sage Real Estate Advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Realty. Be sure to check them out online at sagewilson.com. All right, we are thrilled to be joined by today's guest. He is a former professional soccer player, a U.S. national team star, and a facial hair legend. It's Marcelo Balboa. Marcelo, thanks for joining wow. us, man. I don't think I've ever been called a facial hair legend. That's that's your, impressive. Your I'm beard, just trying to keep. I was trying to keep up with Lexi when I played. That's all. <laughs> your beard's a little a little trimmer, but whenever you have it full, I, I'm a big fan. You've, I, you I got tell. in trouble, man. I got in trouble. My uh, my mom wasn't a big fan. Of the big uh, beard. <laughs> I usually grow it and let it grow as big as I can for the wintertime because it's really cold in Colorado and I do a lot of hiking in the mountains. It keeps my face a little warmer. And I just started to grow back and I went home because I had a game in LA and mom was already starting to pull on it. Yeah, you know, if I can pull on it, it's time to trim it again. I'm like, oh, so yeah, Argentinian boy, Latin boy, mama still rules the world. So, so. She she didn't like the the beard, but what does she think about your your World Cup look with the mustache, the mullet, and one earring? And I'm gonna be honest, no one liked the porn star look. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I got asked if I played hockey back in in '90s <laughs> I had I had the haircut, you know, and the shape close on the side, long in the back. Uh, so um, uh, yeah, we'll just go with mom's okay with the long hair because grandpa before he passed away said. Uh, you know, he goes, when you can grow it, grow it because eventually it stops growing and then you'll have to cut it. So 
I'm like, rock on, Grandpa. I love it. Mom, <laughs> mom, I, and how is mom going to go against Grandpa? Can't do that. But she can talk about the facial hair. She's not a big fan of that. So Jeremiah was having some some audio issues. Uh, so you and I got a chance to chat here for a second. We we're talking yeah. about Argentina. I got a, I got the chance just after college to spend some time in Argentina for yeah. a few months and and really loved it. I I don't know this about you. Are you uh, like a a dual national team fan? Are you? Do you consider yourself uh, uh, like a U.S. fan and an Argentina fan? Uh, I am one hundred percent an U.S. fan, Argentina fan. Um, my mom and dad are the same way. When I played for the U.S., it was the U.S. played against Argentina. They would cheer for the U.S. because of their son. But uh, I learned a long time ago that uh, you know, I, as a kid, you're a little embarrassed. When I grew up, Spanish wasn't a big thing. Yeah, and people made fun of me and teased me about being Hispanic, speaking Spanish. So I lost a lot of my Spanish, and you can tell I don't have much of an accent. So I worked really hard on that because it was as a kid I got I got uh, bullied. I'll just leave it at that. Pretty pretty good about being Hispanic. So, but I've learned throughout after high school that uh, that uh, you have to embrace your your culture, and I am Argentinian. Uh, I am part Argentinian. I'm American and uh, I've embraced it. And dad told me a long time ago, he goes, don't be a fool. He goes, if you're going to play soccer and you're going to be something in this world, you got to be able to speak both languages. Both languages are going to come huge if you play sports or if you do business or in the real world, being able to speak both languages is going to be beneficial. So I, uh, I started working on it and uh, I am very proud to say that I'm American Argentine. Not just with your playing, but now with your post-playing career, he's definitely right, no? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I enjoy doing English. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I tell you what, um, I think it was after one of the World Cup games or something like that that I did with ESPN. And I got a few death, death uh, emails, death threats. Um, I've been told, whoa, I lost my camera there. Can you hear me? There we yeah, go. You're good. I've yep. been told, I've been told that because I didn't play in England or in Europe that I didn't know soccer, that I'm not an analyst. You have no clue what soccer is about. So I've been ripped pretty good with uh, the English fans of, for some reason, because I didn't play in Europe. I don't know soccer. I've sitting there going, okay, I've played in three World Cups. I played in Greece. I played in Mexico. I'm sitting there going, I, I think I understand soccer decently to, uh, to explain yeah. in Spanish and English. <laughs> and uh, now that's my dog. Hey, buddy. And uh, so, you know, the Spanish came along and uh, it took me a little while. And I'm still working on it. My Spanish, I don't get to speak Spanish every day, but I work hard on it. I try to do a lot of, I do a lot of watching. I do a lot of reading, trying to read it. And uh, I do the best that I can with uh, what God gave me. I well, I I think you do a great job. I I will often for national team games, we'll listen to the like we'll watch the Spanish language broad, language broadcast, and I always enjoy you on there <laughs> for your, for your takes and for your opinions. But also, I think maybe because uh, you it wasn't like your your first language. I I yeah. understand you really well too. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, man. I speak Spanglish sometimes, so you know I'm on air and I'm sitting there trying to. Sometimes I have to think about it and I'm trying to translate a word in my head really quick. And I'm like, screw it. I'm just going with the English, Spanish <laughs> word and, and people understand it. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it is what it is. You know what I mean? Sometimes certain words just don't come out for me. 
Yeah. And, uh, and it, it, like I said, it is what it is. I get abused a lot. I get abused a lot when we put <laughs> U.S. plays Mexico. Why do we have a gringo on our Mexican station? And I'm sitting there going, well, because my job's to defend the U.S. That's all, you know? So I have a good time. I love what I do. I wouldn't want to do anything else. And, uh, but I love broadcasting. I love the people I work with. The fans are freaking fantastic. And uh, either they love you, they don't. You know what I've realized, too? As I get beat up on Twitter, and all of a sudden I write back to the guy. The guy really just ripped me anyway. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, I appreciate you at least watching and, and give me some critique. And next thing you know, I get a text back or a, a, a DM back. Oh, I didn't mean it. Thank you so much for replying. I just <laughs> wanted to see if you reply. And I'm like, dude, just be nice to me. I'll reply. <laughs> but he, he had to insult me first in order for me to reply. I'm like, all right, so I get it. I get it. It's all good. Hey, Mar- uh, Marcelo, I'm big into sneaker fashion, so I appreciate that you tweet your shoes a lot. So thank you for that. I, like, I'll, I'll give you some positive reinforcement on your Twitter account. Uh, you know, I appreciate that. That is, uh, that is all in the doing of my girlfriend and my boy. My boy, if I, we walk downstairs right now, he's got a row of about 40 shoes. And he's like, Dad, you got to pick up the game. So he ended up getting me a pair of sneakers. And little by little, I've, I've become a junkie now. I've, I mean, I've got probably more pairs than I should. But uh, I, I appreciate the compliment, and uh, it's not anywhere near Greg Birdhalter's shoe game. But I don't have, I don't have certain, you know. I'm, I'm getting Adidas behind me. Adidas is helping out, so we're getting there. And a Diodora. Nice. All right. Well, we we couldn't pass up the opportunity to have a chat with you, but you're here for a reason. Yes. Uh, you are going to be on the Spanish language broadcast for yes. Austin's game midweek against the Seattle Sounders. Yeah. Uh, so let's jump into that one. We'll also. Uh, course you into talking a little bit about the revolution even yeah. though you i've only called them once this year and aren't on that broadcast but we'll get to that I've one in watched a second. Enough. I wa- i've watched enough we're good <laughs> okay cool all right jeremiah you want to uh, run us through our our seattle notes here yeah let's just set it up really quickly so seattle now sits third in the west after their performance yeah. against uh minnesota on sunday they are playing both on shorter rest and austin having played on sunday yeah. and they're also traveling on the road on wednesday uh, coming up, they play Portland on the weekend. So, yep. in 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 Austin fans' minds, hopefully, it might be good that there might be some chance of rotation. I think for for all of for all the Austin fans that have like had a little bit of a downtime in the last few weeks, this May seventeenth two one victory in Seattle, where nobody thought Austin was going to win, yeah. um, gives fans hope for results. Uh, and you know, I think other than that, Seattle's generally pretty known. Jordan Morris, nine goals. Yeah, you, you yep. get you get what you expect out of him. You know, you kind of know the system. They're they're they've been what they've yep. been for a long time. So I'm just, I guess like what, you know, what should people expect in this matchup out of, out of like, especially out of Seattle. And then we can get into like your observation on a national perspective about what's going on in Austin. You know, I think uh, Seattle finally had a positive result on the road against Minnesota one, one. That's a good result for them. Um, the fact that they play Sunday, went home Monday. I don't know if they went straight to Austin or not. But uh, they'll be fatigued from what I saw the other day. It's 105 throughout the day. So it'll be hot game time. It'll be 90 something. They were talking about. Correct. Yeah. That's somewhere, oh, at least, at there. least 90 yeah, something. Least. I'm, trying to, yeah. I'm trying to be nice so I can convince myself that it's not going to be that bad. But uh, I think that all drops in the favor of, of Austin. You know, now Austin's given up seven goals in two games. Uh, they've lost the last two. Um, can't seem to find a lot of teams are struggling right now. Finding that stride again, right after league's cup. 
So you've seen a few teams. Colorado went to LFC. They got beat pretty good. Uh, you saw uh, Chicago this weekend. Got a guy thrown out. Frustration. All of a sudden, they end up losing 3 nothing. So um, I would expect – I would hope that Austin playing at home would be the team that's going to be more aggressive. It's going to be a little bit more proactive. I think Seattle will do what they've done for a while. They've kind of just kind of sat back. And I don't think you can high press in this kind of heat for, for 90 minutes, so I don't see that. But, uh, listen, I, I think Seattle has quality players. Seattle is coming out of a slump, we'll say, that they've been struggling. They're getting bodies healthy. So, um, I, I, I would look for an interesting game. I would look for one mistake, one error that may be able to cost you, for, for both teams, could cost you the game. With Seattle coming off of short rest and then having Portland on the weekend, could you see them coming in and rotating the squad against Austin this uh, this Wednesday? Um, I would think so. I would think so. I have the uh, I have the uh, Cascadia Cup game between Portland and Seattle this weekend, so I don't think you can go into a, a Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday with the same team. So I would definitely expect some rotation, some guys getting a little bit of rest for the uh for the home game on uh for the home game on Saturday. Are there any obvious targets for that like as far as certain positions or players that you would expect to be rotated or do you think it's all kind of No. Dependent? I think it all depends on how how they came out and how their workload was after uh, Sunday's game. So I think you'll just have to wait and see. This league is very now knowledgeable with uh with all of the pods they put and the workload and that's statistical side of things, the analytical side. So uh, I think they'll look at that and they'll see the workload. And then I think you'll see, I don't, I don't think tons, but I think you could probably see three to four changes in order to give guys a rest. Yeah. On the Austin side, Danny Pereira gets a red card uh, against Dallas the other day. So they'll be missing him. So it'll be interesting for Austin to see, what does the midfield look like? Uh, you've got both Alex Ring and Emiliano Ragoni kind of working back from injuries over the break. And so yeah. uh, may still be on restrictions. So we'll see if those guys get rotated out or uh, if like who plays at the six without yeah. Pereira, because Pereira is pretty much the guy. And then you see Johan Valencia yeah. come in sometimes, yeah. but um, so that'll be interesting to watch for Austin. And then is, is there any, any other, other things we should be talking about for Austin, Jeremiah? Well, actually, I was going to go back to the point you had before Marcelo, sort of with the uh, rotation and the the training staff and the coaches. Like as an ex player, like how much, how much do you think that like the coaches listen to the training staff and how much they just kind of go with how much they rely on the data and how much they just go with kind of the vibes uh, uh, in the they, moment. They rely on the data a lot, and a lot because it tells a lot. The GPS of the workload, the sprints, the uh, duration of the sprint. So um, you, you've got to watch, and I think that's why. Um, you see a lot of players, a little older, we'll say, can't do that. We used, we didn't have we didn't have pods when we played. So if we played Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, I played all three games. Most guys played all three games because that was just our job. You know what I mean? But then that's where the hamstrings come in, or a, a you know a calf growing. So the the analytical side of of the soccer is is important. The data that they're going to bring in, the data they're going to look at. One guy could be up high in one area, and on the other one, he could be in danger of maybe pulling a hamstring. So I think they've got to be very careful, and especially the older you get, 
the older players aren't aren't at a point where you can force them and and, and play them three games in a row, start them and let them be uh, effective. Yeah, that's that's very interesting to hear. Like we know that that data exists and that they they factor it in, but to hear a bit more practical application of it because I think a lot of fans do think like this game matters, so this guy should play, and it's yeah. not always that simple. Like you have to be careful. But listen, you tell a player, and you you ask any player, can you play today? Of course, he's going to say yes. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So you can take that little bit of BS away from a player by showing him his his data and be like, listen, you're here, you're there, you can you can see it visually. And as a player, you're like, okay, I get it, but I still want to play. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's an important part of trying to manage, the, especially nowadays with so many games. Listen, on, on Apple, just think of just on Apple TV how many games there are between regular season, between League's Cup, between the playoffs. I mean, Apple has a lot of games. And those players, most of them are playing 90% of the games. So you need to make sure that your players are peaking right about that eight games ago, seven games ago, right in there. They start peaking, they get a run. Next thing you know, you're in the MLS Cup. And we've seen this, for example, in Colorado, 97, we were the last place team. We went on a run at the end of the year, the last three games. Next thing you know, we're in the MLS Cup losing to D.C. United. But who would have thought we were going to get there? Portland a few years ago squeaked into the playoffs. Next thing you know, they're in the finals. So it's very important for for the coaches and the training staff to keep an eye and to make sure their their eight-cylinder is lubed and ready to go at the end of the year. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the Revolution game. So Austin will go away to New England. Uh, yeah. New England is currently third in the East. Yep. They've been really good at home, uh, which is not great yeah. for Austin. Um, they, as good as they've been, they're in kind of a weird, a weird spot in the year. So they just sold Georgi Petrovic to Chelsea yep. for close to $20 million. Yeah. They've, they've brought in their replacement, a high level replacement, um, uh, Czech veteran player. Uh, so he quality wise, he's fine, but probably not 100% bedded into the team quite yet. They're yeah. missing Brandon by with a yep. long-term injury. Uh, Henry Kessler has been out. Gustavo yep. Bowe has been out. They've yep. been having to play Matt Polster who's kind of like their, their anchor in central midfield, yep. Have, yep. having to play him at right back. <clears throat> and so th- that all has kind of been, uh, it, it, they're in a weird moment. That being said, looking at most recent results, they're still not giving up that many goals. They've still been able to score when they needed to. Yep. And Carlos heel is still Carlos heel. So uh, what, I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on this new England team? Um, I think they've done well. And with all the situation, we'll just say that's going on in, uh, in new England, uh, they've stayed focused. Uh, they had a nice run in leagues cup and, uh, it's a dangerous team. Yes. You, you downgraded a little bit in your goalkeeper, but defensively they're pretty good. Um, midfield's pretty good when they're healthy. I think when you look at Carlos Hill, uh, you're looking at one of the best players in Major League Soccer still. So he can turn a game for you. He can twist a game for you. So especially playing at home on the turf, they're uh, they're very difficult difficult to beat at their home. I I kind of forgot that Mark Anthony K plays for them now. Who? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he's, I think he played for uh, he played for a few teams in the Western Conference. I can't remember who all it was. LFC, um, Colorado, then Toronto, <laughs> now New England. I got you. Um, I, I I don't want to put you on the spot here. Have you gotten a chance to watch? I I haven't seen them. Yeah, while he's been in the team, but it looks like with Polster out wide, he's been kind of holding down the sixth spot for them. He's always played as a six. When if you go back to LAFC, they played the double pivot, the double six, and he played in that role. Uh, he came to Colorado, and the same thing. Him and uh, Calacosta that uh, played similar, both in the midfield, kind of give and go. He's a six at one point. He's an eight at another point. He gets into the attack. So uh, Toronto, I didn't see much. But if I remember correctly, he was in that same midfield, six, eight. So, um, yeah, listen, he's a quality player. He's a good quality player. The problem is I'm not sure is he, if he's a better six or if he's a better eight. That's that's the question I think that uh, most teams are trying to figure out. And he may be trying to do the same thing because the kid, when he goes forward, He's got a smooth looking stride. He he hits a nice ball. Uh, he's got good vision. So, but most teams want that six just to be ahead of the uh, the uh, the eight to be just ahead of the six. And Mark Anthony K, when you watch him play, has a tendency to go a little further and leave that six exposed. So I think that's where maybe maybe if he plays in the midfield, that's where maybe Austin has a little bit of an advantage. <clears throat> All right, uh, Jeremiah. Any other? Any other thoughts or questions for Marcelo? No, no notes on this one. I want to ask Marcelo about his El Paso locomotive shirt and how he, for those of you that happen to be listening just to the audio of it, like where did you get that from? And is there a story behind it? There is the play-by-play guy who does uh, the Apple TV with me, me and uh, Jorge uh, Perez Navarro. Uh, been working together for years and years and years and he lives in El Paso. So he's like, what size shirt do you wear? And I'm like, ah, large. He's like, whatever. I said, okay. So I didn't even think twice about it. And I guess I went to a locomotive game and uh, he bought me a T-shirt, uh, gave it to me on the next trip. And I like my my locomotive shirt. So I haven't seen him play. I would love to go see a game. I may go visit Jorge and go see them play. But uh, it's uh, it's a cool shirt. I like it. Yeah, yeah I- I'm going to I'm going to be there in a few in El Paso in a few weeks. I don't know if they play, but like it's a cool city, too. Like it's it's a. Uh, it's got yeah. its own unique culture and food and like it's got it's kind of a mountain city. It's like it's it's an yeah. underrated gym, I think. It's got its own vibe too. We went down there and played, and I, I'll both say it. I went and played in a golf tournament. I drove with a buddy of mine from Colorado to El Paso to play in a golf tournament, stayed the night and drove back the next day. That's how much we love golf. <laughs> Jeez. So but it's a nice it's a nice place. We enjoyed it. All right. Well, Marcelo, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, listeners, as we mentioned before, Marcelo will be on the Spanish language broadcast for Austin's game against Seattle on Wednesday. Marcelo, best of luck with the rest of the season and all of your traveling. And thanks so much for joining us. Anytime, my friend. We will see you guys Tuesday. All we right, get there Tuesday, but we'll see you Wednesday at the game. <laughs> we'll see you Wednesday at the game. All right, man. Thanks. Perfect. Thank you. All right. We want to thank Marcelo Balpo one more time. Uh, before we wrap up, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and then come find us on Twitter at LVHero87 and jbentley underscore ATX. And then at Moon Tower Soccer on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And then uh, check out the Patreon if you're interested in supporting us in that way. And then also sign up for Phil West's Substack, where he is continuing his Austin FC coverage and you can get a 20% discount there with 
philwest.substack.com slash moontower. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week to cover the Seattle and New England matches. And then no preview since Austin is off that week, but hopefully we'll have some other news and maybe an interview to do. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Thank for nothing, you never. La gente. Oh my God.